Welcome in, guys, to another episode of the Advisor Odyssey podcast. Now, today, we're going to be talking about something that I'm actually very, very passionate about, and it's going to be doing client webinars. So it'll be like a whole crash course on it. We'll be talking about how to stand out from your competitor next door, and then we're going to be talking about what I believe is the next big social media marketing funnel. Now, spoiler, I've already talked about this, but I keep getting the questions, so we're doing it again. So tune in, guys. we got a great episode. This is the Advisor Odyssey audio experience, where financial advisors, planners, insurance agents, and brokers will find fresh new ideas and perspectives around what it takes to launch succeed, scale, and bulletproof their business. All right, so this uh, general topic here, this crash course on client webinars, is something that I'm incredibly passionate about. So uh, there's going to be a couple you know, objections and problems that are going to come up as we go through this. So I'm going to try and hit this all in one clean sweep. Your compliance departments, for the most part, are going to tell you no to webinars because of their understanding of what webinars are. So before you accept no as an answer uh, from your compliance team, if you get a no, you need to make it clear to them what it is that you're actually wanting to do. So that's going to make sense as we progress through this, but I have a funny feeling that many of you who are saying my compliance won't allow it or my, my officer won't allow it or whatever it is, they actually will. It's all about how you position it and talk about it. So client webinars. This was an idea that really for me personally, it, it didn't sink in until probably mid-2020. Okay, this is right in the heat of COVID. Again, keep in mind the the environment at this point. You had a lot of advisors, a lot of uh, you know agents, a lot of brokers. They had a hard time prospecting. Okay, if they relied on face to face, both for their marketing and for their sales process, they had a hard time getting in front of people. So it caused them to get creative. Or for some, unfortunately, they just died off and they sold their business, or they just stayed and they did the whole wait and see approach. So this idea, it is directly tied to clients. And, I, and we are not jumping into the prospecting webinar piece right now. Okay, very specifically, the goal is to get in front of clients. So here's the general idea. Right now, and most advisors use Zoom, okay? I know there's a compliance factor to this if it's not approved, so plug and play the software. But most advisors will hop on Zoom and do this. This is an idea. It is completely free on the assumption that you're already paying for the Zoom membership. If you do not have the Zoom corporate membership to where you can choose your own URL and your landing page, then you will likely have to pay for that. But that's about 15 to 25 bucks a month, I believe. So the webinars themselves, they're for your clients, and they're meant to engage with clients as a communication tool. They're not meant to sell anything, ever. The call to actions on these is never going to be to meet with you. It's going to be tuned into the next, uh, the next webinar series. Now, you are going to want to name these, okay? So um, whatever you want to call it, you know, uh, uh, Market Mornings with Mike or Financial Awareness Hour, like whatever you want to call it, like that's that's how you want to brand it. And you want to actually do have a brand for it because when you hop on Zoom and uh, you type in that URL to take you to the actual like web page to be able to watch it and view it and sign in, you want it to stand out, okay? And we'll talk more specifically about why as we progress through it. 
But that's number one. So as we discuss this, the only cost to it outside of your time is going to be roughly 20 to 25 bucks a month. Okay. From the time element, okay, this should not take you more than an hour start to finish uh, per uh, webinar, I guess you can call it. Probably as you start doing it, it'll take about 30 minutes. But here's the general structure that I really like that I've seen that I know advisors are doing it's working for them. They are branding it. Okay, I'll use the example of Market Mornings with Mike. Okay, advisor, financial advisor out there. If your name's Mike, Michael, take this, run with it. It's yours, man. Um, Market Mornings with Mike. You hop on that webinar and it's, call it once a week or once every other week. I would recommend doing it more than once a month, honestly, just for the staying power and the stickiness of it. But let's say you do it once every week or once every other week. It should be a 15 to 20 minute webinar. Most advisors will do this live, okay? Most will do it live. You do not have to. They just like to do it live because it's easier for them as opposed to scheduling time to record it, to edit it, all that. They just like the live feel. You're more than welcome to pre-record it and you can make it automated. You're just gonna have to be a little more cautious of the content you use. And especially for compliance sake, you might have to do it that way to get it pre-approved. But it's still gonna be predictable and sustainable long-term so as long as your compliance departments take a reasonable amount of time to review things and get back to you, you'll be just fine doing this. But as you host these, you are wanting to strictly invite your clients to it. Okay, this whole idea actually came uh, from another advisor who had a ton of his clients. They were asking him about the stimulus checks. If you remember those when the first time that was mentioned, okay, he had, and this is a multi, multi hundred million dollar asset manager like probably close to a billion dollars under management at this point that we're working with. He, I'm sorry, that we're talking about. He basically, uh, again, when COVID hit, no matter how big or small you were, like your business size, it was, it rattled you, okay? What mattered, the only difference between the big and the smaller advisors are typically how they pivoted and how fast they pivoted. So he had a ton of his clients reach out to him and he did a lot of live events. So he ended up shutting those down for obvious reasons. But he had a lot of his clients reach out to him asking about the stimulus checks. Hey, am I gonna get these stimulus checks? Uh, what is this gonna do to my taxes? Do I need to report this? Do I, like, will my kids get it too? Do I have to, like, he's getting all these questions. And put yourself in the mindset of this advisor for a second. Again, super busy days, managing a ton of staff, and then he's getting all these questions from his clients that he doesn't typically get because they're going direct to him because it's somewhat of a, I don't wanna say an emergency, but it's a very urgent matter in the sense of, COVID hit, I got stimulus checks, what's going on? So he answered these questions from his clients, you know, two, three, four, maybe five times, and then the light bulb turned on. I should just call State of the Union and address this because these questions keep coming in and I can't do this individually. So he actually called an impromptu webinar and he just talked for about 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes max with all of his clients and he used that Zoom membership piece here, okay? So he was able to have people log in. It was just like a free radio spot, a free PR spot. There was no communication, okay? He couldn't see other people. They could only see him and hear him. He couldn't see or talk to them. And any sort of chat box that was there, it was strictly between him and the other individual. It was not all of his clients together in like a chat room. But uh, he talked about stimulus checks. Everything he knew, which most of it, uh, most of which was grabbed from Google. So it wasn't crazy intellectual information. It was just his clients wanted answers and they want to hear financial answers from their financial advisor. 
not having to search for it on Google or on the news. So he did that and it went over well, but he had a ton of follow-up questions afterwards. Oh, hey, what about this situation? Hey, what about this? But then he started getting them again throughout that week. And he did his on a Monday morning, by the way. His was Monday morning at 10 a.m. just by circumstance. That's a time on his calendar that he blocks out to work on things for himself between 9 and 11. So uh, later on that same week, though, he had a, more clients more and more ask him about the SECURE Act. How does that impact them? What happens now with RMDs? And then same thing. He answered it two, three, maybe four times. Then he just said, you know what? We're going to host another impromptu webinar. So he sent another email out to his clients, just an email blast. He had an email uh, marketing service. I forget the actual name of it now, but he could just send a single email blast out to everyone and they received it, custom, personalized, etc. And uh, when they hopped on the webinar, he did the same thing. Talked for about 10, 15 minutes, all about the Secure Act, that he knew about it, how it impacted them, what he knew now. But here's what was interesting. He did learn that he needed to make sure to ask people not to call his office until he had an opportunity to send out a recap email. So the second time around for the Secure Act, he typed up, which they were really just his bullet point notes, but he typed something up and he said uh, on his like webinar, he said something like, hey guys, real quick, I know you might have some follow-up questions. Uh, please refrain from calling the office or reaching out to us until at least 12 o'clock noon. At noontime, I'm gonna send out a, an email and it's going to have all the information and uh, resources that I'm talking about. It'll have it all on there. So please wait till you receive that to ask any questions. He still got some questions, but they were drastically less, like 80% less. But he sent that email out. And the response he got from one of his A-plus clients changed his entire life. Hey, thanks for this. What is next week's topic going to be about? And then the light bulb turned on again. Wow. He had just inadvertently solved a void, right? That void was successful communication over meaningful topics at a time that matters most with the people that matter most to his business. And he was able to find a way to put all those together. And the byproduct of it was his weekly client webinar. So now, uh, or like flash forward or flash backwards to then, for the next few months, he was hosting webinars over specific topics. At first, it was just what was happening, like top of mind, stimulus checks, Secure Act. Uh, if we put it to today, like at the time of recording this podcast, maybe we're talking about uh, the war in Ukraine, we're talking about inflation, we're talking about interest rates. Like that's the conversation we're having. But he's just trying to educate his clients, creating another opportunity for his clients to engage with his firm without spending a ton of his time. Now, he did this for months and months and months, okay, almost a full year. He stopped after about 10 months. But what he discovered throughout that process is uh, there's a couple of things, one of which being he discovered that his clients, like the A and B clients that he actually enjoys working with, tuned into the webinar. The ones who we didn't enjoy working with all the time, we all have them, those C, those D clients, they typically didn't engage. And that was okay. But whenever they reach out to him, if they ever reach out to him saying that, hey, we don't hear from you, what's going on? He can anchor back to that. The second thing he realized was his staff felt more educated and involved. You know, when you're in your meeting rooms and you're talking with clients and prospects about 
know, all these different things, these financial topics, sometimes it's really easy to like wrap that up and protect it completely inadvertently. But then you tell something to like, you know, one of your staff members like, hey, we need to do A, B, and C. Please make sure it happens. Let me know if you have any questions. And they might understand the process, but they don't understand the why behind it or what the actual product or uh, solution even is. So when he started doing these webinars, his staff was also on the call or the webinar. They were watching it, taking notes too. It was education for his staff, so it was a dual purpose. Now, so, you know, you have license issues that might happen where, you know, you talk about, you know, bonds and mutual funds when someone's not securities licensed. The staff members never actually did any advising or recommendations. They just learned. It was education for them. But uh, the third thing that came of this, which I think is actually uh, probably the most underrated aspect, was that clients uh, where most advisors struggled with client retention during COVID, like on a macro level, he... Uh, number one, he never lost a single client, uh, as in like to another advisor, never lost a single client. Again, friendly reminder here, clients will not leave you due to a lack of performance. They will leave you due to a lack of communication. If they don't feel valued or responded to or connected with, they will seek that connection or, or social creatures. That's what we will do. So it was a good way to stay in front of his clients from a communication standpoint. But the fourth thing that happened is really what we're all after here. He picked up not only just new business, okay, that's actually the secondary piece. He picked up new business as he was doing this, but he picked up referrals at an exceptional rate. We're talking of the $200 million of assets he moved in 2020, almost half of that was from referrals, which to me, really successful especially someone who actually does a lot of active marketing. So where he typically averages 20, 25% of his business from referrals, he got 50. So we look at how that happened, what changed. And the what changed was the webinar series he was doing, but how it happened was interesting. So he had it set up to where you could see whoever joined the webinar. To get in, you have to put in your name and your email, and it's the email that uh, you initially received the email from. So it was like a preemptive like screening there. If you know you got it to abc at gmail.com, but you put in a Yahoo email, it wouldn't let you in because it wouldn't match that email address to the user. So you had to put in your, your phone number, your email, and your name. When you got in there, though, uh, you could watch the webinar. Now, there was another area where you could allow people in. He did have a staff monitoring that. So if someone did try to join and um, like they, it was an email I didn't recognize, the staff could let them in, kind of like when you're waiting for the host to start the meeting, that kind of thing. But uh, that created an opportunity for him that he did not see coming. Because you see, when he was doing these webinars, he got to the point after three or four times, so he's comfortable, right? He's comfortable doing them, spent about a month, a month and a half in. He was sending out a recap email two hours later. He was telling his clients, encouraging them not to call his office with questions until that email came in. And when it did come in, he would have them respond to general email inbox. Okay, he had a specific webinar series inbox that he would ask people to email questions to. His staff could handle it typically, or his associate advisors and paraplanners who were properly licensed. And a lot of times it ended with a phone call just to talk. So he had the bandwidth ready for it. It wasn't his time, it was his team's time that he was able to diversify. But the people who attended the webinar, what they did, and even if they didn't always attend, in that email that they got after the event, 
like I'm sorry, after the webinar occurred, there was also in big bold print at the very bottom. Be sure to tune in next week when we talk about XYZ topic. Okay. So he laid out what next week's topic was. And he again made it clear it's going to happen at this time, uh, at this URL, this address. And it was always the same time, always the same time, always the same address. And he also, he included in his newsletters and his client communication too. But clients started to forward his emails to their friends and family. So now he's located in the Midwest, but you know, a client of theirs has their family all living on the West Coast. They forward that email out. Now those people on the West Coast, those referrals, those family members hop on that webinar, or they try to at that time, and he didn't send a recording. He did not do a recording. I want to be clear on that. No recording was sent. <clears throat> but they hop on that webinar series, and then they had to be let in. But what happens was his team, whenever they had an email address or a name or a phone number that wasn't recognized, they would add it to their CRM. And then from there, they would track who attended what events. Or I'm sorry, who attended what webinars. Pardon me. Now, I hope you can see where I'm going with this now. But all of a sudden, a Sally Sue who's not a client at all, we have no idea who they are, but they're in, uh, you know, call it California. They attended uh, a webinar all about life insurance. Let's say it was Life Insurance Awareness Month. And they attended a webinar the next week that's all about uh, navigating market volatility or how to react when it happens. So now they know this person's engaging with our uh, at this point, it's not even marketing content, but they're engaging with our firm. They're watching these webinars. And they wouldn't attend a second one unless they found the first one valuable. So what that advisor did, and you could delegate this to one of your staff members too. It doesn't have to be the advisor doing this. But uh, if you have a, uh, an appointment setter or a phone team, that's who should be doing this, to be clear. But um, the advisor called, you know, Sally Sue client, whatever. Or I'm sorry, Sally Sue prospect out of California. Hey, Sally. You know, my name is Daniel. I'm with XYZ Financial. Hey, I uh, I noticed that you had tuned into our last couple of webinars talking about uh, navigating market volatility and life insurance awareness. Hey, I hope you don't mind me calling you because I really am just trying to do the best that I can for my clients when I host these. I hope you've enjoyed them thus far. But because you're not a client of ours, I was hoping that I could ask you for some honest feedback on how I can I can improve or how my team can improve the experience. Would you mind sharing your feedback? Now that language, again, massage it, make it your own. But ultimately, we want to make sure that that person knows that you know they're not a client. And you're not trying to ask them to become a client. You're just looking for feedback how you can be better for your clients. See, that's our goal there. So when you ask them how you can be better for your clients, then you can back into the conversation. Okay, it's kind of like a backdoor referral. Hey, thanks for the feedback. And they'll probably tell you they loved it. If they give you negative feedback, well then it's a legitimate learning opportunity, it's a win-win. But let's say they give you positive feedback. Awesome, you know, thanks Sally for sharing that. We'll make sure to make those adjustments and changes. Um, and we're glad that you enjoyed it overall though. But hey, I while I got you, I just wanna make sure uh, to say thank you uh, to you for spending your time. Hope you found it valuable. I'd love to personally invite you to our next webinar. Okay, next week we're gonna be talking about you know, ABC content, whatever. Because remember, they don't get those emails that you send out. The emails only go to clients. So they're relying on clients to forward them the emails to learn what next week's topic is. But after you ask that, or after you personally invite them to that upcoming webinar, like next week's, ask them 
this question. I mean, again, massage it, frame it, however you want. Hey, Susie, I um, or Sandy Sue, uh, because you're not a client of ours, and you attended that webinar, that tells me that one of our clients found it valuable for you to be on that webinar. And while I make this content, while we do these webinars specifically for our clients, they felt that you would value from, so they invited you. So I would love to know who I can thank for inviting you. Do you mind telling me who sent you that invite or who told you about us? You'll get some people who will not tell you. Okay, that'll happen. But most will. Oh yeah, you know, John Smith sent me. That's, okay, that's so cool. I talked with John not too long ago, actually. How do you know John? Uh, you know, we were, we were roommates in college, or we did this, we did that. Okay, awesome. And so it's a little bit of small talk there, but then again, you reinforce inviting them onto the upcoming webinar, and then you hang up. And you also want to verify the information is all accurate too. But anyways, then what you do is you make a note to call John Smith, the person who sent them, and you personally thank John. John, hey man, I just got off the phone with Sandy Sue. Um, she uh, she said that you guys are friends back in college, blah, blah, blah. Hey, I wanted to personally thank you for inviting her onto that webinar. She said she enjoyed it. She found value in it. Um, that was that was good thinking on your part. I appreciate you. I'm curious though, like, what made you want to invite her? Did she ask about her or did you just send it her way? You get into that conversation, right? And you can see where we're going with this. We're backing into the referral. You know, small talk back and forth. That's awesome. Ask the questions, okay? And then you end with this question. This is powerful. John, do you feel like Sandy would make a good client to our firm, like on the long term? Or is this someone we should just be interacting with exclusively on a webinar basis? John is likely to say that she would make a good client. He would never have referred her to watch your stuff if he didn't like her and people only associate themselves with people that they would want to spend time with, right? So the likelihood of her being a good client, very high. The likelihood of John saying she'd be a good client, also very high. So after John reinforces, yeah, she'd be a good client. Yeah, I think you'd enjoy working with her. She's really nice. I don't know her situation with financial planning at all, though. That'll come up. You'll hear a lot of that. So you lean into it again. Hey, that's okay. Would you just let her know that if she finds any of this content valuable after the webinar, that she's more than welcome to call into our office and I'd be happy to have a simple 15 or 30 minute consultation with her and just talk through whatever her situation is. No strings attached, no sales gimmicks, nothing. Strictly because she's a friend of yours. And that's the language, right? Again, massage it how you want, but that language there backs you into a referral. So again, you do this over and over and over again it becomes a part of your brand. The value becomes, uh, I mean, it should be strong in the first place, but it becomes stronger as time goes on. And then your referrals start flowing in. You start finding clients that are coming to meet with you, whether they're in your area or they're doing it virtually from somewhere else. You're going to start to ask them, how'd you hear about us? They're going to tell you your webinar. Okay, that's going to happen. So again, these client webinars are critical. Okay, they are absolutely critical. So again, it's a, it's a subject that I'm passionate about because I know it will work. From Left Field, where we take a swing at answering your specific questions and share our insights into the more common challenges that financial advisors, planners, insurance agents, and brokers typically face in their business. Moving into our Left Field segment here. 
Question number one is, there's a new competitor next to me in my office building. Okay, sounds like it's a suite. And I'm worried that everybody I meet with sees like their signage and advertising and branding too. And then they'll want to meet with them as well. Is this a reasonable concern or am I overreacting? So the short answer to that, and this is actually a short answer in general, um, you should probably be concerned about it slightly. Not a lot, but slightly, because we're not going to evade the obvious. If they come in to meet with you and then they see John Smith Financial Advisor and then Sally Sue Financial Advisor right by each other, they're obviously going to see the other person. Now, if uh, this is something to take with you regardless, whether there's someone in your backyard or they're 100 miles away, if your value prop isn't significant or special to you and your firm, then yes, you should be very concerned. If you're still living the commoditized approach where the things you're selling and offering can be offered by anybody else, then yeah, be really worried about it. Because all it takes is someone to offer them the exact same thing with a different name and a a sexy bow around it. They're going to choose that one, right? So if you keep it commoditized and it also becomes a game of undercutting, especially if there's management fees, lower fees, better rates, when you get to that conversation, it's no longer about you and your team and your mission and your your brand, et cetera. It becomes, you know, I guess the old adage of who's going to offer me the lowest price on the car? That's where I'm going to go. Right? That's that's what it becomes. So that's I mean that's what car dealerships do, right? Trip uh, same situation as Trip Advisor hotels. Like you hear people's recommendations as referral base, but when you don't have the referrals and you just go hunting to try and find something you like, how many times do you hop on TripAdvisor and you sort hotels by distance or by price or by uh, recommend uh, recommendation, right? People will filter and sort by what's important to them, okay? Keep that in mind. And that's why your value prop needs to be different. So that competitor next door to you, yeah, be worried about them if you can't differentiate yourself from them in one sentence. So our next question here is, uh, hey, Daniel, what is the next big marketing funnel that uh, I should be doing to prepare for the second half of 2022? So I did a full episode about this, so I'm, I'm hitting it again here. But the answer is TikTok. I'm telling you, TikTok is the place to go for financial advisors over the next at least two to three years. Like, it is, it is going to stick around, barring any crazy legislation or banning happening. It is going to stick around. Okay, it's not a feature-driven program. It is an entire platform, similar to Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. It's going to stick around. And it's not at all saturated. Okay, you might be saying to yourself, well, you know, my kid does that or my grandkids are on it. They see all these people doing this, doing that. But there's people on there doing legitimate educational-type lessons. You could hop on TikTok right now and just like you can with YouTube and learn how to fix your leaky faucet. Like it's, it's there, it, it's happening right now. And whereas many advisors, which many are probably in the situation actually, YouTube's not for me, YouTube's for other stuff. It's not for financial services. That's you, No one's gonna be on YouTube that's gonna be my ideal client. Well, now they're all over the place, right? Financial advisors are crushing it on YouTube if they know how to do it. So TikTok's the next step. Be ahead of the curve, get your content on there. Compliance has a factor, obviously, you'll have to be aware of. But here's the thought, and here's why I say this too. This is why this conversation, uh, I'm sorry, this question came up and why this conversation's powerful to me right now. Just uh, two, I guess it was two weeks ago now, I saw an entire Twitter thread 
talking about people giving unsupervised investment advice on TikTok and how they need to be punished by FINRA. The insurance departments need to come down on them with, you know, swords and, and hammers. Uh, their wirehouse and their state insurance departments specifically need to ban them. Like, the truth is, man, like, the truth is they are just educating. There might be some people out there giving investment advice. I'm not going to blanket it. But the ones that they're referring to, the ones that I've been seeing, they're giving advice. Or, I'm sorry, they're not giving advice. Pardon me. They're not giving advice. They're just educating. They're educating in a general fashion. They're not telling anybody to do anything specific. For example, they're not telling people to roll their 401k over to a life insurance policy. They're giving reasons why one should explore doing that. Now, that's fair game, right? You tell someone why they should consider selling their stock at a loss versus a high so they can capitalize on tax harvesting. and the, like That's a suggestion, but you're not telling someone directly to do that, right? It's the same thing. The problem is there's a little bit of jealousy of it too. Okay, It's getting a ton of clicks, tons of views. Uh, and that person's writing a lot of business from it because they're they understand marketing. They understand marketing. They go to where the people are. And they were probably ahead of the curve. Because quite frankly, the ones that I've been seeing, the accounts, they have a ton of followers, like a ton of views. That doesn't happen by accident. Right? They realize the value in marketing on TikTok. And the comments are filled. They're filled with questions about, hey, how do I work with you? Hey, what should I be doing here? Hey, how can I learn more? Hey, like they're not answering on the comments. They're reaching out to that person through their own message and saying, hey, let's find some time to chat about it over the phone, right? Or maybe they're inviting them to do a webinar or something or they're plugging them into digital marketing. It's a hot lead and there's a ton of opportunity out there. So again, TikTok is the next big marketing funnel you need to be on. Take care, guys. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you have specific questions, throw them uh, in a comment or in an email, something, okay, send them over to me and I'll answer as many of them as I possibly can. And thanks for listening, guys. Take care. We hope you enjoyed the Advisor Odyssey audio experience. Connect with us on your favorite social media platforms at Advisor Odyssey. You can find our full-length educational videos to watch on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out all our articles and publications on medium.com forward slash Advisor Odyssey. The Advisor Odyssey podcast is available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. The contents and opinions shared, expressed, or otherwise alluded to on the Advisor Odyssey podcast and audio experience are solely ideas not to be depicted as tax, legal, or investment advice. Results from the use of these concepts may not be representative of the experience of all financial professionals and are no guarantee of future success. Your results may vary. The Advisor Odyssey and its affiliated members are not to be held liable or responsible for any lawful recourse or punishment invoked upon the individual or accompanying business partners or team members. Federal law, state law, and or insurance carrier requirements may prohibit or place limitations on any of the ideas and activities expressed. All advisors, planners, wholesalers, affiliated reps, and investment advisors should be aware of any limitations imposed by federal regulation, state regulation, insurance carriers, broker-dealers, and registered investment advisors as applicable. Investment advisors are strongly encouraged to obtain pre-approval from the broker-dealer, registered investment advisor, insurance company, or similar institution with which they may be affiliated. 